Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Life doesn't have a pause button. That's why Capella University's FlexPath learning format lets you set your own deadlines and adjust them if something comes up. Imagine how a flexible education can make a difference for you at capella.edu. Um, okay, so one thing I just want to do. Baby, I love making love in front of the mirror. <laughs> I'm about to put this shit in. This shit's going to be an episode. That's going in the fucking episode. This is going in the fucking episode. Oh, it's recording now? I'm Eric. Oh, and I'm Brittany. And we are... For Color Nerds. Oh, man, today, today, today. Today, today is an exciting day. It's a <laughs> special day. overjoyed. Today, actually, we have a guest. Our first guest. Our very first guest. I'm so excited that we have this person blessing the mic today. I don't know if I'm that excited. I'm excited. I'm going to be excited <laughs> until he fucking comes for me in like six minutes. Not um, even 30 seconds. Yes, but today we have somebody who is near and dear to both of us. Somebody who... You know, who will respond to my text messages when I send him a selfie and ask him if my outfit is too orange? <laughs> Somebody who will ask his girlfriend for dating advice for me. Mm. Because you can't trust uh, all these people running around with the wolf pack I'd be ha- fucking hanging with. I can't trust y'all. <laughs> okay. But, you know, this person will go, he'll retrieve information for me, he'll help me out. But, you know, also, I mean, I just, just being real, this is somebody who is a special part of my life. Our friend, who's also a friend of the show. So that makes him your friend, the real motherfucking John, Juan, Don, Ron, Roland. Jesus. Jesus. Known by many names. Known by many names. He often. who must not be named. He oh, who <laughs> must not be named. And he spoke. Welcome. Welcome to the show, John. I am here. You are here. We're excited to have you here I'm today. I'm fucking. I'm I don't like, think you should be though. That's that's the funny thing. You know. Why shouldn't we be excited to, I don't understand to talk with excited. with with my my literal Which, and true best friend? Everybody knows. Say, me. Everybody knows. And what's this all like? Yeah, like what? Like I don't. I mean, I, I just feel like I have to come on the show to defend myself. I I realize that the only reason that you guys brought me on the show is because I did go and seek legal counsel. <laughs> Shout out to. My lawyer, I'm not going to put his name out there. Just let you know he's pure pure snow. (laughs) (laughs) Also known as light-skinned Jesus. Light-skinned Jesus. I'm crying. (laughs) When that boy walked into the courtroom. It's a wrap. It's a wrap. It's a wrap like suits. The the judge just stands and says, bless you. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody knows who we're talking about. So we have John here today. As as John said, to provide him a, a space to participate in the ongoing conversation we've been having with well, he Well, he participates. What he does, though, and this is why I'm glad we're here formally, because what John does is whenever he listens to an episode, I can always tell when it's happening because we're in a, we end up in a three-person fucking group chat. He basically live streams the episode. Basically. That is true. <laughs> that is true. It's like we get to watch a reaction video. Well, first off, you got to realize it's weird for me <laughs> listening mm-hmm. to the podcast because I am so close to the two of you. Mm-hmm. 
I'm at work and I'll be listening to the podcast. And I, I, Eric will lie per usual, and Brittany will just be there to co-sign and back them up. And oh, I just wow. have to say, whoa, <laughs> that's not true. But I have nobody to talk to, so I have to go back to our group thread. Well, one that hurts because, I mean, I tell this, Brittany probably knows what I'm about to say. I do a many things. I've been accused of of doing many things yeah, in my I, day. I think I, but lying is not one of them. I have no comment. You really? Know, I'm, I'm around oh, all shit. this. It, it's we're around today. all these electronics right now. I, I was going to say. I don't want God to come strike me down. You know what? That hurts, guys. That hurts because, like You're I said, to be two of my Christian best. Boy. I didn't say that you are a liar. I just I just said I'm not in this. Y'all always do this shit. Y'all always start shit. We get together, three of us. Y'all start shit. You did the shit when you fucking lost John's glove. Oh, my God. Really? When you oh lost, God. Yeah, oh my you lost God. John's oh glove. And we had to walk over to John's house. And I sat there on one couch. And y'all sat there on the other couch, and you had to apologize to John. Y'all always start this shit. It's just, we just hanging out, and can, then it always we, turns. Can we stay here for just just a, a hot not, second? Just not. a hot second. I'm ready. I'm a truth teller again. <laughs> First off, long Eric, this nice glove. I really can't even tell you the name of it. What, what kind of glove was it? Um, I remember. I remember they were Balmont. Oh, ooh, Balmont. That's no, right. No, 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 no. You're not. You're not saying it correctly. Balmont. <laughs> Balmont. I don't have the mouth for French. Right. You got to have the mouth for opulence, though. Oh, oh. oh, Josh showed up today. <laughs> you gotta have the mouth for opulence. <laughs> Josh showed Wait, up how today. Much those gloves are like what? Oh. Three pound something up? Like four hundred fifty dollars. I was you know? gonna say that's you know? ten band, fifty band, <laughs> ten band, fifty band. But no, I'm not. I'm not even gonna sit up here and lie. It was four hundred fifty dollars. I may not have paid that much for Thank it. You. I was going to say, Thank wait, you. were they really $450? I thought you told and me they were 350 Maybe regular price. It changes. Regular, the, regular price, price, they're $450. Then where, well, how come I remember 350 Because that's how much I paid for it. That's not how much you paid for Shut it. Shut up, Brittany. Don't put me on blast like that. You want to be a part of this life of opulence? I thought you were just worried about God striking you down. Anyway. So, no, I, I out of the kindness of my heart, oh, I saw my friend struggling. I was cold. His, his he ashy, was ashy, ashy hands. hands. <laughs> Like ashy than ashy layer. He looked it was like terrible. LeBron James at the very top of a basketball game. In my defense, <laughs> one got the sweat just dried up all on his hands. It's terrible, man. I have eczema, and oh, I was Eric, I do, I do. Go. I this have is the eczema. First time you mentioned this shit ever. No, it's really not. I tell John this all the time. I have Eric eczema. has a new medical condition every <laughs> hour. I forgot my. I have, I have runner's knee. No. Oh, runner's knee. Have you have runner's knee? The runner's knee is the best one. He the barely jogs. I, I have runner's knee. First I've seen, off, I was in the gym a lot. I used to be in the gym a lot. When, not anymore. Because I'm Eric. now I'm eased into dad bod. And I'm not going to lie, though. That dad bod jumping up. Anyway, we're going we're gonna to lose what we were talking about. But yeah. I, did have a, I did have eczema. I had no aquaphor. So I'll give you that. You know what? I might have been ashy that day. I might have been ashy that day. It happens. I loaned you my glove out of the goodness of my heart. Oh Just so you could gosh. walk four blocks, maybe? Mm-hmm. Four blocks. He kept him for a few days, though. Kept him for a few days. And I tried to give him back. No, no, no. I did try. No. I didn't try to give him back. I requested them back. Oh, shit. These weren't just any kind of clubs. These were special. These were nice. These they were orange, feet. too. They were orange. No. They weren't they were, orange? They were more like a brick. It was a brick. Oh, uh, maybe. I'm not colorblind. <laughs> she, she's just not ready for this lifestyle. I don't it's have okay, the eyes though. for opulence. <laughs> you don't. Exactly. You don't. Uh, it's okay, though. I still love you. Thank you. But no, so I had to reach out to this brother. To get my gloves back, which is already strike one, red flag, strike mm-hmm. one, strike two, strike three. Comes back with just one glove. Man, I'm I'm sorry. Well, I'm, now had this been a role <laughs> reversal? Oh, I know. Oh, World War Three. You know what? But it is. 
I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and condone any of this, okay? I appreciate I'm just that. saying no, what I'm saying to you, Eric, <laughs> is that I could call up I could text at least six, seven people right now and be like, Hey, have you ever known Eric to be petty, rude? I didn't say I wasn't petty. I said I don't lie. I think there's a difference. That's not true. Wait, no, there is a difference between petty There is a difference between petty. No, 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 no. I'm saying that's not true that you don't don't lie. You're you're very petty, and you're one of the biggest liars that I've ever. Well, you heard. know what though? Oh. I want you to hold that thought, John. I want you. Character, I want you. I want you to. We're gonna actually move on to the next thing. Now, you guys don't know this about John because we haven't necessarily discussed all aspects of his personality on the show. But John is somebody who I think he would agree with this description. You have your ear to the streets. Always. Right. This, this is actually one thing I wouldn't. I wouldn't deny. Yeah, I no, wouldn't, John's, I won't rebut this. John's ear is to the streets. So if I want to know if something is on point, I want to know if something is whack, I ask John because John will be able to tell me faster than any one of these little vine teenagers that you ever heard of, okay? John, your finger is on the pulse. Would you agree? Yes. Another thing you all need to know about John, John is actually leaving us. He's leaving New York at the end of this month, and it's something that – Despite ever, all of the tension currently in this really tiny room that we're all in, Eric and I are really sad about it, and we're going to miss him a lot. So what I thought I would do is... I know about really sad. Eric, shut up. Don't ruin my fucking moment. Me don't don't interrupt her, man. Come on. I was going to say, I'm trying to sit here and fucking have warmth and shit. Right. Get some media training, man. This is why we can't have nice shit. Anyway, what I'm saying <laughs> exactly. is... Exactly. So what I decided to do is we're going to do, do a little bit of a, uh, a little quick fire, John. I'm going to ask you about some New York-specific things. And I want to get your executive opinion. Now that you've been living here for what? It's been almost two years? It's been two years. Well, now that you've been here over two years and now that you're on your way out, I want to be able to get the last word from the fucking culture czar himself. Actually, you are culture. Zeitgeist. Exactly, zeitgeist. You're in touch with the future. You're already there, okay? <laughs> Before yay. Before Whoa. yay. Hell fucking yes. Shots fired. Are you, John, are you ready? I am ready. Okay, so I'm going to ask you. I'm going to just throw a topic out there. I want you to tell me really quickly if it's hot or not. And I need a short explanation. Can you handle that? <laughs> okay, so first thing, bodega sandwiches. Hot. Why? This is why. Bodega sandwiches are great when you come out from the coming back from the club. It's late night. You want to hop in real quick when when for me my crown fried chicken is mm. they run they run out. Mm. They got all the the fried pizzas are fried to death, mm-hmm. and also they ran out of the good dollar slice pizza. See, the thing about bodega food is they got those cats. <laughs> the cats are there to keep the mice no, but the, out. But the, cat, but still. the cats are on everything. I'm just being <laughs> honest. So, you know, in a desperate situation, I, I'll do the bodega sandwich. So I'll say hot. Okay, so hot. All right. So, next thing. Wintertime. <laughs> Not. <laughs> I'm mad this is the list. No, this is, no, the list is good. This list is good. You sitting here, list is good. Wintertime sucks in New York. It's just like, it's brick outside. You're struggling. Nobody's happy. It's like the commute to work is like 10 times longer. But, 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 if I may interrupt, I just want to offer a counterpoint. It doesn't smell like piss. True. That, that's that's real. That when the summertime comes, it smells like trash That, that first hot day. It's like, whew. Oh, my God. When it, especially after it rains and all the old piss has been, you know. Loosened up. Loosened yeah. up. And yeah. it's just all out in the atmosphere. And then the shit, it's on your skin. Yeah. Two no, showers. Damn, yeah. that's like it sounds, cold water. <laughs> sounds like winter is no hot water. You got to burn that, that grease off, man. What? The dirt from the the elements. soap. Soap breaks up soap, grease. Yeah. But the water, the the hot water, it it. What's the word I'm looking for, people? It activates 
the soap and it breaks <laughs> up the grease. That's is that science? That's science. I mean, I wouldn't fucking hood know. Science. Hood science. <laughs> Please stop. Hood John's the is the hood Bill Nye. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm about to move into a more controversial topic. Okay, I'm ready. Okay, so you remember a couple years ago, our man Two Chains, Two Chains came out with a song. One of the lyrics showed up to the scene with my ceiling missing. <laughs> now somebody in this room showed up to New York with a ceiling and now nothing. So I ask you, John, how or not? Eric's bald head. Definitely hot. That boy had the meanest cow lick and I'm talking like worse <laughs> than <laughs> Eddie Monster. <laughs> like First the off. thing was terrible. I was like, yo, just let it go, brother. Let it go. He held on to that receding hairline for at least six months to a year. Actually, I saw fingerprints because it was just hanging off a dear life. It was just, it was terrible. When, when he first shaved bald, it was fingerprints all right where the hairline should be. When he would go and try to get the shape up, I was like, just cut that shit off. Stop playing around with it. I have pictures. Well, oh, first, before I even go into it. Shoe polish can fix anything. I'm not friends. Oh, count. he was the Beijing king. <laughs> the Beijing king. <laughs> Y'all are so rude. Y'all gonna, <laughs> gonna have me use words I don't like using on the day-to-day, or at least not in public. Mm-hmm. I'll say that before I say anything. And I'm not friends with you anymore. Uh-huh. I'm not friends you with you. You've been friends with I'm me pointing. since. You, you guys can't friends, see, but I'm pointing. You haven't been friends with me, though, since, well, like, 4, 4.30? Yeah. Yeah, but, so but I quit. This last episode of Color Nerds. Just to let you guys know. Okay. But anyway, coming back to that, mm-hmm. I'll, post, I'll post pictures. You can clearly see. First off, there's a sheen when you use that. that shoe Beijing. That shoe right. <laughs> like, there's a clear and, like, definite sheen. And I have never had that. I post a picture from the day before I cut my hair. I post it. I, mean, I post it. I tweet that. That's fine. Tweet that. How, why, how is anyone going to know that that's even, like, real? Timestamp. It's in the metadata. What the fuck are you talking not about? Not really. The yeah. boy, I'm, all I'm saying is. And it's amazing. And I'm, you know what? I'm not even going to More Beijing than Steve Harvey. This, if, if Can telling. we just also call this a pot called in the kettle black situation? Because somebody, somebody sitting right beside me is looking a little thin up top. It ain't themselves. me. I just looked at my edges today in the mirror. They look amazing. I look good as well. It's crazy. High five. I mean, I'm just saying, I'm, I'm seeing, I'm seeing skin in places where it should be aligned. No, what you what you fail to understand is, mm-hmm. as I've Explain. aged, mm-hmm. I start getting my hair cut lower. I cut my waves out. I did. Know? I have noticed. That. More, no, no, your hair's got lower since I've known you. It's more of a fashionable thing. Mm-hmm. You know, not trying to look like everybody. I don't care about like the three. It's like a Miami look, exactly. Right. You know, like to let you know that oh, I'm calm. I'm chill. I'm you continental. Just, I'm free. Right. I'm free with it. <laughs> I'm free. With, I'm so free with it. Right. That I ain't got to have it. Right. See. Eric was the type of brother that needed those waves. I don't need that. I've never needed waves. First of all, I always struggled to really maintain he was, he waves. Like, waves for the babes. Waves for the babes. Like, no. I have it? literally Whoa. never Wait. said those words <laughs> in my life. All right, no, all right, I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm playing. He never said that. I'll, I'll take that back. I was about to co-sign you, though. <laughs> I should have waited. <laughs> yeah, I, should, I was like, I, I had my mouth set to co-sign you. This should show the audience that all this shit has been conspired. Like, this no, is a conspiracy. What's funny about no. this, and what's funny about this, though, is that this is normally actually, it's amazing this is even happening right now, because normally I get shit on all of the time. Exactly. I'm the person who gets shit on all the time. Exactly. So I'm just saying, I but, want, John, honestly, though, you and I are going to have to talk. You and I are going to talk after this. We're going to have to talk. That's fine. You know, it's, it's okay. This was expected. 
Mm-hmm. Most people, when they when they have the truth, uh, you know, just exposed like that, they mm-hmm. they're, they're not comfortable. They don't know how to handle. No, it. I saw that on. I was listening to Oprah Super Soul Sunday yesterday, and I was at work. I was doing expenses. See, I put and it out there. She finished it exactly. I was listening to Oprah, and that's what she said. The truth is is beautiful, but it can be shocking. Mm. (laughs) it can be if you're not used to it do you know what I'm saying okay this room is just so full of bullshit I just almost I can't it's choking me it's literally just it's thick well that's good we can move on to the next topic yes please let's move on to the next okay so next thing or not John are you ready I'm ready okay now we're moving into a new season you know that right yes yes and another detail that we forgot to mention about you is that you are extremely fucking fresh <laughs> always it's crazy it is crazy sometimes i'm just like sometimes you send me selfies and i'm just like like when the fuck did each just get my number <laughs> thank you do you know what i'm thank saying you. when like <laughs> you hype it up so hard. i'm fucking no she's such a hater <laughs> right That's... check the text check the text have i texted you up before yes no yes, she literally i can facts only so i'm gonna ask you john now we talked about new york we talked about how dirty it is right we talked mm-hmm. about how it's baked piss everywhere I'm going to ask you something real. Hot or not? Why jeans? <laughs> that's a, that's a easy right there. It's mm-hmm. hot. See, it's the thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we, we spoke about my life of opulence earlier. Mm-hmm. White jeans, summertime, springtime, summertime in New York, it says a lot about a person. White, I'm, th- I'm talking about the good classic white jeans. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, have that, that good Connecticut, that Montauk, that... Uh, <laughs> I, I get that, uh, that Hamptons vibe, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When I step outside mm-hmm. and I live in bed stop, mm-hmm. we all do. They just stop. Everybody just stops because they know that brother about some. Mm. Them not regular jeans, them white jeans, mm-hmm. white jeans. I don't even have to talk to people. Right. Somebody will come up to me and they'll, they'll ask me a question like, "How's your day?" I've done this with Brittany before. Mm-hmm. White jeans and walk off. It's true. <laughs> No, actually, and it's I'm 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 actually about to actually give you some credit because I will say about John. John takes fashion risks and they pay off. And I think it was last week I saw you wearing white yes, jeans. Yes, I have to bring the season. I have to bring it in. It's like I'm like I don't know. I'm like the weather's being so I'm, confusing. I'm in literal and complete awe right now. Like, I know because no, John is I'm that here. fresh. I have a ride. Hello. I have a ride. Right. <laughs> oh man, so white jeans. Mm-hmm. I actually, you know what? I give you some props. I say I actually would agree. All right. Um. On that note, John, we really appreciate you coming in here today. Mm. Again, we're glad that you came. Mm. But actually, you know what? Yeah, stop making them noise. I know. I was gonna say like, what Such a fucking a hater, hater, right? Now everybody here really knows what like kind I, of I, anti- this, that's that was the goal. That's the, the antagonism. That's that I, is that it? antagonism. Antagonist. Antagonism. Antagonism that I deal with right from Eric all the time. I don't know. I've been making up words on this show. Antagon. That's the root word. Shut the fuck up. I'm so oh tired of that. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, what I'm saying is is that I, things are about to take a serious turn, John. Are you ready? Yes, I am ready. Okay. Before, all right. Yeah, the boy running from the truth. He running from it. Oh, it's coming. Oh, I'm running from the truth. He's sneaking his lace right now. That's why you got <laughs> them orthotics. <laughs> With them lips. <laughs> got them lips. With the, <laughs> Yo, I need it for my calves. Going up on the Thursday. The runner's baby. need. The runner's need. <laughs> the runner's need. The right. Running from your lies, running from the truth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Brittany, I'm, I'm, I'm amazed at you right Why now. Why are you amazed? We get into a fucking fight at least every other week on the show. Right. I don't know. Yeah. But I always thought that there were limits. And this is, see, with John, I know. I, I know John will get down and dirty mm-hmm. in the muck. But with you, 
I just thought I thought there you you talked to me earlier today mm-hmm. about ethics and morals. You, <gasps> oh, wow. you mentioned it earlier oh, wow. today. Wow. You told me there were there were spaces where you would not go. I don't know if that's true. This I don't wasn't know what we was talking about, so it don't matter to me. Well, that anyway. was outside the bounds. But you're right. We are getting to a crucial a crucial part of of, of today's episode yes. because we've told a lot of truth, mm-hmm. and people have had problems with that. Mm-hmm. John, Roland, Juan, Jesus, I'm here. You had some issues, and let me be honest. You have issues, too, when you're just minding your business and you get that nice text message and they're like, hey, Zeus, what you doing? <laughs> Roland, I heard about you. <laughs> he who must not be named. Wait, these are texts from people that you know who aren't us. Yes. These these are other people outside of Four Color Nerd. Here's the thing, though. It all started with Brittany Luce. And I told her, I told her today. Uh-huh. I'm going to have to come for a little bit. I know. You know, he actually said he was like, oh, I'm not going to come for you. I was like, you are. It's fine. <laughs> she know me. Uh, so, so yeah, it, it started off when, when I FaceTimed Brittany Lou. So we were discussing uh, black-on-black violence and how, you know, I was depicted as an ignorant man. Uh, no one was, ever said you were ignorant. No, no one said that you no, were no, 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 no. Antiquated perspectives, maybe. But not ignorant. <laughs> I didn't even know. I didn't even. I, I want to be. I want to be honest because that episode, you took it like I made it sound like you disagreed with me. I didn't. That wasn't my intention because when we had the conversation, you didn't disagree with me. I was just saying something that I had said to you. So to go back to it. Yeah. My bad. That's I'm real hostile. Talk it right back. Now. Talk it all the way back. So that I, talk it all the way back. So so as I've mentioned, dear listeners. Mm-hmm. we've shared our opinions and, you know, we try to tell the truth. We try to paint as accurate a picture as we know how. But like like we said, Juan disagrees. Everybody has their own truth. Everybody has their own truth. Mm-hmm. And, that's, and that's fair. And we are fair people. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to make sure that we provided mm-hmm. you, someone who we care about dearly, a platform to defend yourself, to rebut, if you will, the things that how however accurate we may feel, you might feel have painted or tainted your character. So today what we're going to do is provide you 90 seconds, mm-hmm. because brevity is a thing we all appreciate, mm-hmm. to rebut and say pretty much anything that you want, if you're ready. If you're ready. We will be providing you 90 seconds. Mm-hmm. And don't forget, my mama knows where you live. Oh, that's fine. I love your mom. Your mom's amazing. She likes you too. 90 seconds, starting now. So I won't just rush into this. Well, I, I will be honest. I feel like you guys mistake my black excellence for that of a black Republican. I am a man of the people. What? My ears are to the streets always. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I'm depicted as a man who is not consciously aware of what's going on in his community. And so the, it all started with Brittany Luce when she called, called me out without asking me if I was okay with being on the podcast. For the record, I objected. Yeah, oh, for the record, actually, you begged me to mention you by name at least 10 days before then. But that's a we lie. don't want right. to take his time. Yeah, we're going to take, a, that's take a your lie time, from John. The piss of hell. So I was just here to let the people know that I, I do care about my community. Mm-hmm. I, I Again, I am a man of the people. Mm-hmm. I'm in bed style all day, every day. But anyway, so... We'll, we'll, we'll hop off that to get to the lies that Eric tells. Mm-hmm. Kanye, I broke Kanye to you first. In the summer of 2000 and... 
Yeah, three ish, four ish. <laughs> Not gonna lie, That's I really don't know. It's a lot. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't have the dates, but it all it all stemmed from a Source magazine article that I was reading in class actually one day. Mm. We and never took a class together. We didn't have to take a class together for me to bring an article to you and say that I was reading an article and I brought it to you later. All I'm saying is I felt like I wasn't being being represented well. And that's why I did reach out to get legal counsel. Mm-hmm. He probably won't be coming for you now. Now that I've had my opportunity, to have a retort. So I'm fine with that. And I'm gonna leave it at that. So with that, I think we'll call the time. Yep. And I must say, I'm I feel like that was pretty tame, John. Yeah, I was gonna say I thought, I you, thought was, you was coming with some. Me heat. too. You well, no. What y'all don't know is that when John came in, he was like loose hand on my hand on my backpack. I was like, all right. So I gave it to him. Pulls out this yellow. I mean, it's a beautiful notebook. It looks like it's a moleskin, but I think it's something else. No, it's definitely a moleskin. Oh, it is a moleskin. I'm sorry. It had. It looked like it. <laughs> and had, it looks worn. Like he's been using it for right. a while. Right. So really thinking through some. Thoughts. Exactly. So he has this page bookmark. Opens up. Is that blue ink in there? I want to say, John. Black ink. Black ink. I apologize. <laughs> he's you. got. Uh, I think three quarters of a page scrawled in his handwriting. Um, a black full ink. page. Full page. Um. So I, it looked like it was remarked. So that's why I was confused when you sat yeah. up here and kind of just. Just talked about, brought up old shit. I thought you was going to be coming with some heat rock. But I guess we're out of time. They forced my hand here. We put very few restrictions. Y'all, you you can tell how few restrictions we put on because you just, y'all, the both of y'all just sat here and blasphemed me for a good, like, ten minutes. Oh, That's Eric, how you blaspheme. know. Blaspheme. Blaspheme. My blasphemed. Oh, my God. My person and my character. You talked about my hair. Y'all, know, y'all, both of y'all. <laughs> hair, hair is, is that what we're, that what we're gonna subject. call it? Both of y'all definitely know. Just for that, I'm growing it out. I'm growing out. You're gonna be that old dude with like those little paper thin dreads. And just like, <laughs> let them joints go. Bro. Let them go, bro. Let them go. Don't do that to yourself. You know what? That's cool. And that's just because I care about that's you. That's cool. Man. I'm not like LeBron. I don't need a headband. Why y'all coming for LeBron? Why y'all coming for Why LeBron? are you so concerned? You're not from I'm like, a fan. Cleveland. It feels guilty. It feels guilty because they looking a little similar. I've heard people call you out for looking like LeBron, your damn self, John. No, 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 no. Let's not mistake it. I play ball like LeBron. Oh, <laughs> I'm pretty much the second second coming. It has hey. been a pleasure. I, you know, I will say in this moment, you know, in this moment, as, as your time here to put, as your time here is coming to an end, I, mm-hmm. I put it on record. I love you to death. Mm-hmm. You are my brother. I was mad at you this morning. You were you mad know. at everybody this morning. <laughs> I was. Oh mad. no, he was super mad at me. Yeah, though. I was real mad. He at you was this so morning. mad at me. It was amazing though. <laughs> but anyway, I was I'm mad at you this morning. My boy had my back this morning. I, but I got your six. You my brother. You are gonna always be that. And I love you. And I'm sad to see you go. I am too. I'm, it, it has been. I won't quite call it a pleasure. I will. But it's been an experience that I would not trade hmm. having you here. So you know, that is, that's, my that's like that's like the nicest thing you've ever said ever, to Ever, ever. Outside ever. of like your wedding vows and what I assume you're going <laughs> to say to your daughter when she's born, that's the nicest thing I ever heard you say to another person, Eric. You know, I can, I'll surprise you every now and again. Every Levels. now and fucking again. Levels. You surprised me when you cut your hair off. I thought you had a mental break, man. <laughs> me and Iman were like, oh, Eric lost off. his fucking body. We were like, New Year. And you literally said, showed up to the scene with my son. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah. shit. Anyway, they loved it. It's all yeah. that matters. Anyway, Brittany, you got anything? Say something nice about me. <laughs> I, I mean, I typically do. I'm just going to miss you a lot, John. I'm actually sad that you're leaving. And I forgive you for all the things that you've done to pick on me. Pick on in you? In the past two years. I do nothing but big you up. I mean, you pick me up a lot of time, but you pick on me a hell of a lot. John, you lied to me. The first time you told me you were moving six months ago, you lied to me about when you were moving. You told me it was that week because you knew I would start crying in the line at the movie theater. It was so funny. 
It was amazing. That it is like the meanest thing anyone's ever done. Actually, no. Eric's, Eric actually said something really mean to me like two weeks ago. <laughs> so, <laughs> and like something mean to me like, I think he said something mean to me like this morning. No, too. Saturday. He, he, he brought it up when we went to go eat. You brought it up. Like, oh yeah, my gosh, you're so right. It. You're so right. You're so right. But I'm the I'm known as the petty one. That's some, that's what's amazing. We, you you are having a conversation about all the mean things I've there supposedly said. It's so, it's so mean I can't you. even repeat it. That's how mean it is. Anyway, thank anyway, you for coming, John. Thank you. For, thank you for coming, John. No, it was it was a pleasure. Honestly, I I will miss you all. Uh, you know, Shot Town is going to be a little different without having my my peoples with me. Mm-hmm. You know, but I'm not going to lie. I am looking forward to that wash and dryer. That's well. What on that note. On that note. <laughs> we love you, John. No, it's been a pleasure, though. Thank you for having me. Oh, my gosh. I'm so glad that you're our first guest. Yes. I guess it's only right. Going down mm-hmm. history. Hey, this is Jeff Lewis from Radio Andy. Live and uncensored, catch me talking with my friends about my latest obsessions, relationship issues, and bodily ailments. With that kind of drama that seems to follow me, you never know what's going to happen. You can listen to Jeff Lewis Live at home or anywhere you are. Download the SiriusXM app for over 425 channels of ad-free music, sports, entertainment, and more. Subscribe now and get three months free. Offer details apply. Life doesn't have a pause button. That's why Capella University's FlexPath Learning Format lets you set your own deadlines and adjust them if something comes up. Imagine how a flexible education can make a difference for you at capella.edu. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. All right. So now it's kind of difficult to transition from as, you know, as tumultuous of a conversation as that was for me. Yes. Um, I I enjoyed it. Honestly. I I enjoyed it too. Yeah, it's always fun. It's always fun to you know rap with the squad. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited John could actually join us. Today. Me too. Me too. But we did come here actually to talk about something uh, significant and to be honest, fairly complicated. And that's Baltimore. We try to talk about real subjects. We try to talk about things that are that are complicated and try to unpack them in a way that feels right for us and that feels approachable. And protests and the way that those things have manifested as a result of the police brutality we've seen in the country has been something we've kind of stayed away from. Mm-hmm. We've we've talked about it in part, I think, in Blacks on Violence and in a couple of other areas, but it's not something we've ever devoted an entire episode to. No, I, actually, we were just talking about before we started recording. It's something that happens so frequently 
that I don't know if we have the emotional bandwidth to do it yeah. all the time. And also, there are so many really awesome, smart black people who are writing things and recording things. And on the ground. Yeah, and exactly, who are on the ground as well, who I think in a lot of senses can do it more justice than we could, you know, just by necessarily talking about it topically, you know, every other week. So I won't necessarily that that perspective has changed with Baltimore, but I think what we're experiencing now is somewhat different. Mm -hmm. And I think things are building. Yeah. With that said, I mean, I think there are a few things that have been said that we want to kind of highlight and bring to light to provide a bit more perspective because it's been frustrating watching the media and not seeing coverage evolve. Mm -hmm. It's like they haven't learned shit in the past year, year and a half. Yeah. And so that's kind of what we want to talk about today. One of the other things that we're going to do a little different is we're going to play something. Okay. So... State your name. My name is Carla. Uh, I am Laurent Chevalier. <laughs> My name is Monique. So, as you know, some things have happened in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a very seemingly complicated situation. Actually, I don't know that it's seemingly complicated. It's a very complicated situation. Um, there are a lot of emotions, a lot of different perspectives sometimes differing perspectives. Some would say that that's a lot of the problem. But what we're looking to do is get people's, excuse me, what we're looking to do is talk to black people. So, you know, we often stand for Ta-Nehisi Coates. Always, actually. Yeah, that's with damn good reason. He is easily the foremost intellectual thinker on race Mm -hmm. of our generation. I think so, yes. You know, in our opinion. And recently, he was on a panel, but also had a keynote speech at Johns Hopkins. It was like days after the... the it was about a week. No, because he originally was supposed to speak earlier that week, but they canceled it because of the Baltimore uprising. Yeah. So he spoke, and the things he said, honestly, were just spot on. And I think, you know, this was extremely impactful because of where he was. He was at Johns Hopkins, mm-hmm. uh, which is in a Baltimore area, if you didn't know. Mm-hmm. In addition, he's a child of Baltimore. From it. And we can't do that justice. I often read Kanye, uh, not Kanye, I often read, like, Kendrick lyrics, and, like, people are like, Yo, what were you saying? Yeah. It just sounds completely <laughs> different. And loses all its meaning. So we're going to play a bit of that for you right now. And so I, I, I don't, you know, I, I don't want to come off as so I'm sympathizing, you know, or saying that it's, you know, it's necessarily okay to inflict violence, you know, just out of anger, no matter how legitimate that anger is. But I have a problem when you begin the clock with violence on Tuesday. Because the fact of the matter is that... <clears throat> the fact of the matter is the lives of black people in this city, the lives of black people in this country have been violent for a long time. So, hearing that. <laughs> hearing that. <laughs> like, fuck, man. Well, one, it's just, it's surprising to listen to Ta-Nehisi and to, to hear his thoughts and feel like, why the fuck isn't anyone else saying this? In terms of the media, in terms of these perspectives being blared out. Mm-hmm. But the thing that I think is important to focus on, and the reason why, you know, we played this clip for you, um, it's because we want to talk about violence. The big thing that I feel like Tanahasi got out there is, and I might be messing this up, this clock didn't start at Freddie Gray. 
the violence that's being perpetrated started a long time ago. Yes. I feel like I sound like very, you know, as I often do, conspiracy theory e. But the people who they'd have you thinking are the violent ones. Those are the people who are being acted upon. You know, long before there was a brick going through a window, it was policy. It was things that were based in people's opinions or things that were based on on keeping certain structures in place that were then codified into law. All of those things that our government or our policy structures have in place to keep black folks where they are, especially things that serve to keep us from services that we need, living someplace with a decent tax base so that you can actually be able to partake in the things that you, you're supposed to get for being a taxpaying citizen. Those things are violent. His reframing of those actions as, as violence. Yeah, as violence. I thought it was the most important part about what he said. I mean, I would agree. It really resonated with me because no one has really really painted a, an accurate picture of what this feels like. Being black right now, mm-hmm. I think we talked about it before, your relationship to blackness is always kind of complicated. <laughs> to put it simply, yeah. Like, there are so many things that you just have to kind of ignore, mm-hmm. or maybe not ignore, but push through. Yeah. And part of that is feeling like you're being attacked. Does that make sense? No, it makes sense. And one of the things I think that fucks me up the most about it is that I do feel like I'm being attacked in a lot of senses, but also, like, relatively. You know, when I think about, like, you know, I have a grandparent who didn't get to finish elementary school because he had to work at a labor camp. <laughs> and, like, I think about that and I'm like, well, he was attacked. And so, like, on a lot of levels, like, obviously, I live in my, I have time to sit in this studio with you and talk to you about this. I have an education, an education that somebody else was working in a labor camp for me to have. Okay. And I went to the MoMA with my parents. They came to visit a couple weeks ago. We went to see the Jacob Lawrence exhibit, which was all about great migration. Mm-hmm. And it was mind-blowing, but also not, because this was, I think it was right before things started popping off in Baltimore. The tension was rising. And, you know, obviously we had a moment in 2014. It could be said that we had a moment in 2013 with Trayvon. You know, we're obviously having a moment in 2015 again. I guess less of a moment and more like a never-ending nightmare sometimes it sounds like like a building crescendo yeah building crescendo to what god only knows but i think about like you know my parents my parents are both from detroit and they lived through the riots when they were in middle school they tell me some things about that but a lot of times i have to pull details about that out of them but i thought of my grandfather who was born in 1916 like i said we were in this great migration exhibit and something that was referenced over and over again was the red summer of 1919 and the chicago race riots of 1919 my grandfather was, you know, a toddler when that was happening. So they're having this rioting in Chicago and all of these other cities across the country. And then 50 years later, it's essentially the same thing that's happening in 1964, five, six, seven, eight, nine. My parents lived through that. And then I want to say the other day, it was 20 years since Rodney King and the yeah. L.A. riots then. And a very dear friend of mine was there for that. I mean, more than one dear, very dear friend of mine. You know, we're there for that and, and saw those things. And then this now. So on on many levels, I live a life that my grandparents could never have dreamed of and that their grandparents could never have fucking conceived of. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But still, it's maddening to watch the same shit unfold because what was happening in Baltimore looks like things that I saw photos of from my parents' time. I feel very, very grateful, and I feel like I should make the most of what it is that I have, the resources that I have, the time that I have, the education that I have. 
because it wasn't afforded to so many people in my bloodline. But also, like, fuck all this shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? But also, like, fuck all this shit. A lot of it is the exact same shit. And we talked about the Kerner Commission in one episode, you know, which they did in, in the late 60s. And then I saw a document at MoMA that was from 1919 where they had a commission specifically in Chicago to discuss why they had a race riot. Yeah. It's like, and now we got ta giving this speech, putting it all in layperson's terms. And it feels like it doesn't even matter. <laughs> and it's maddening. The reality that anyone could harm my family is, um, it makes me feel like all the lessons that I learned growing up about how far we've come are just bullshit. I mean, I think maddening is the, I mean, it's almost the lightest way to put it. Like, it, I mean, it. It's maddening. It's infuriating. Like there, I mean, one of the things I think about often is like to be straight up, and this is speaking like real fucking frank. I don't know what you're like. I don't think white people understand how angry people are. Once I really got a handle on a tiny bit of the scope of what has happened to our people and Mm -hmm. what's still happening to black people. Mm I was furious, and I'm still furious to this day. We can't show that anger. We have to channel it. And that's something that's been taught. Yeah. If we show our frustration and we show our anger, and these are human emotions, Mm -hmm. frustration and anger, it's dangerous. It's dangerous in many ways. So if I'm angry, and I'm not even, like, I'm in a relatively privileged position, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, if I'm angry... I can lose my job. Mm-hmm. If I'm angry in the wrong neighborhood, that could set off police. You could lose your life. I could lose my life. I could make someone else uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I have to have an ongoing preoccupation with masking my anger. So when I see Baltimore, and I think when other people see Baltimore mm-hmm. too, what's happening there, what's happening some other ways in other cities It's not surprising to me because I understand that anger. Mm -hmm. And that's just like, it's really fucking depressing. And what people don't understand sometimes, or what it feels like people don't understand, and what I feel like Ta-Nehisi started to sum up very, very well, is that that anger and that frustration is coming as a reaction to the constant proximity to violence, Mm -hmm. whether it be through policy, well, the policy that affects the neighborhoods that we live in, the dynamics within those neighborhoods, the Mm -hmm. economics of those neighborhoods, all these things create a cycle of violence. Mm -hmm. And that violence is infuriating. And I think people can't take it anymore. I almost envy you for having the ability to be angry because I'm exhausted. I think the exhaustion is real Mm -hmm. because while I'm angry, while I'm furious, I don't have like I don't have the energy to be able to to reach into that and apply it in ways that I feel like are going to actually make some sort of a difference sometimes. Mm-hmm. And that's that's depressing in itself. And I think Tanahasi even mentioned this in a later part of the keynote. He's like I'm I'm reporting on this. I'm a writer, but it's up to other people to actually change it. Mhm. And, like, that's really frustrating. So, like, I can communicate my anger to someone. I can communicate my anger. I can try to channel that. I can try to empower other people to speak for my anger and, and the injustice that I feel like is mm-hmm. occurring. 
but it's up to these other people and it's up to this conversation that we keep advocating for to happen for something to actually change. And the prospects of that are like remarkably slim. And everybody acknowledges that. Like the president was on David Letterman, David Letterman, Brock acknowledged there's a conversation that needs to happen about the ongoing injustice. Maybe he didn't use the word injustice, but about the circumstances that have created environments that lead to situations like Baltimore. Mm-hmm. And people don't really understand those those dynamics. So when these types of things happen, it's a surprise and it's all that it's focused upon. But if we want to change these types of things, and I'm paraphrasing, mm-hmm. if we want to change these types of things, we have to have a conversation. We have to we have to do something about it. Mm-hmm. And this is the president of the United States yeah. advocating for something that I feel like is still very unlikely to happen. One of the things that was actually really tough for me when we talk about the president was, and I'm not going to go into too much detail about this because it's an entirely different conversation, but you talk about like the, the chances of us having that conversation are remarkably slim. Part of the reason why the chances of us having that conversation are remarkably slim is because we have a black president. Because I want to say Hillary Clinton was speaking at, I think it was Columbia, a couple of days, like I said, after the Baltimore uprising. And she gave this speech where she was talking about systemic violence and incarceration. And that was interesting in and of itself. But it stressed me out how easy it was for her as a white woman to be able to say these things. Because for some people, for a lot of people, I imagine for a lot of Americans, just seeing a black man, if Barack Obama were to say the same words that Hillary said, there's no way we'd be able to have that conversation. And he would have been lambasted and it would have been a thing, capital A, capital T. It's infuriating because there's all of these unwritten rules about even how we have this conversation or how we dance around having this conversation or who's allowed to engage in this conversation and, you know, what language they're allowed to use. I bet if we put Barack Obama's remarks, like if we printed them out and we put them next to Hillary's, I imagine that they would strike completely different tones. Yeah. Um, but there's so much, you know, the median medium is the message or whatever people say. There's so much in that that it just Barack Obama not being white is an unfortunate stumbling block. Like That's how deep this shit is. Yeah. That just because a black man who was voted into office was advocating for a certain conversation, that makes people uncomfortable. And it's also mind-blowing that so much of this goes back to discomfort. Like, discomfort. You know what I mean? Like, we're not having this conversation. Like, you, you even said, like, you have to be mindful not to make other people, a lot of times white people, feel uncomfortable. Like, you're uncomfortable, but, like, we're dying. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we're uncomfortable, but, like, there's there's nothing that can protect any of us. There's nothing that, that there's nothing that can protect any of us. It doesn't matter that I have a fucking podcast. It doesn't matter that I have a degree. It doesn't matter that my parents have degrees. It With the right moment. Yeah. It doesn't matter. What matters is that like I am brown and I have curly hair on my head and you can tell that I'm black and that's it. None of that shit protects you. And so like you feel uncomfortable, but that's my fucking life. Yeah. <laughs> and you just don't want to have a conversation because you might experience some discomfort. Discomfort is what they tell you before, like... You get a shot. I was going to say, before you get some Novocaine at the dentist, you stress out over some discomfort? I mean, the thing talking about that discomfort is it extends to so many other areas. There's discomfort at, at heavy conversation, but there's discomfort at the lighter parts of the conversation mm-hmm. as well. You know, not feeling uncomfortable in the workplace. Not feeling, (laughs) you know, like feeling like you're represented in entertainment at every single level. We're having to advocate for our basic needs. Yeah. And people are tired of doing that. I think that's the thing that I I keep running into. People are really 
really frustrated with having to channel their emotions in a way that's suitable to someone who doesn't get it. Yeah. And doesn't make an attempt to get it. And this shit is manifesting itself like that. Right. Well, also, it's like that's what it's like when you're when your definition of violence, when your definition of violence hinges upon who is being harmed. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So public spaces that white people may use or stores that they may frequent, CVSs that they may want to shop at. That looks like violence and it feels like it is violent. And in general, I don't condone violence, but you must also see, like Ta-Nehisi said, you must also see redlining as violence and you have to see the ghetto as public policy as violence. Like the way Baltimore is set up, how much entertainment, how much entertainment has been provided (laughs) to scores of white people? All of us in the form of the fucking wire. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, which is a great show, but how much and entertainment? Widely recognized. Right, and widely recognized. How much entertainment have people gotten from that show? And talking about and in delighting in how true it is to life, and then still don't see that as violence. Do you know what I mean? And you can watch that. You can watch was six, seven, six seasons of the show. You five. can watch what's that? Five. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I think there's six, but you can watch five seasons of that show and not see what's happening to those people as violent because of who it's happening to. But then, you know, when shit pops off in real life, then like all of a sudden you're surprised first of all, and then second of all, your focus is on property and not the people who have been living in this situation that you should see as unacceptable and the situation that you should see as violent. You know, for decades beforehand, even before there was the fucking wire, there was the corner. Yeah. Which is also on HBO, which also I, I want to say picked up some primetime Emmys and you know got considerable praise. But the corner being a success on HBO, caused the wire. Yeah. exactly caused the wire, and I don't know. It almost stresses me out. It almost stresses me out, and it concerns me to say the least. Not just the idea that people can't recognize that what's happening in our communities is violence, but also that they see violence when it's enacted upon us as entertainment only. Or they see it as just the way that things ought to be only. It's, you know, I said maddening, but that's something that is maddening because it's just like, well, why do you think, why do you think this is what I should expect? Why do you think this is what we deserve? Why is that? And then on top of it, you're surprised. You wouldn't be happy living like that. You know what I'm saying? If you knew, if it was so obvious that there were other people who who had access to more, you wouldn't be happy living like that. But you expect that from me. You know, one of the things we were talking earlier in the week about about violence, I was surprised, actually, that you you framed microaggressions as violence. But it's true. Like, if you have to feel uncomfortable everywhere you go, you know what I mean? It builds up. Yeah. It builds up. It really, it really, really, truly I mean, does. how many, I want to say I had a racial microaggression at my job last week. Yeah. That I told you about, like, right after it happened. I had, like, another personal racial microaggression that happened within the past couple of days. I think I asked you <laughs> to look into it. No, you offered to look into it so that I, think, uh, so that I wouldn't have to. So, because I was like, I'm already at work. I'm already having a stressful day. And oh. I was like, yep. Don't. Yeah, don't, I was, exactly. Don't I was proceed. like, oh, I was like, this racist thing is happening. And you were like, you know what? Let me check on that for you. On second thought, don't ruin your own day. <laughs> like, stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like, that is that is violence in a way. If all of the time, in all of these tiny ways, you're making constant adjustments and you're feeling comfortable while also accounting for the the comfort of everybody around you, anything kind of like from that level up, I'm not saying that it makes my life unlivable. Do you yeah. know what I'm saying? And I, I'm not going to use a microaggression as an excuse for why I didn't do X, Y, or Z. But I also don't think that it's wrong for me to, to feel like I shouldn't have to live like that. 
You know what I mean? Right? Or, or shouldn't have to be in that type of environment. Yeah. So I think a microaggression, people can hopefully get an accurate picture of the type of discomfort that that injects. Yeah. So imagine how compounded that is when like, you have little else. Yeah. I mean, we're in relatively privileged. We have we have good jobs. Yeah. But imagine if I'm not so happy with my job. My job doesn't provide enough for me to actually be able to to give my family what it needs. Yeah. And then to have to not only do that, not only be in that situation, but also go to work and feel like I'm receiving these microaggressions, I'm receiving unfair treatment, mm-hmm. all for something that doesn't provide me the base level of what it's supposed to by working. And I have to take that. Yeah. Every single day. Of course you're going to be fucking mad. It's like one of those things like last week when whatever happened at my job. I remember like specifically feeling like it took me out of like that precise moment where I was just like, oh, I'm just me at work. All of a sudden it was like a light was turned on and I was just like, oh, right. Fuck. I'm black. Like, fuck. Like, you know, oh, and it was something that like. It's like having, you know, popcorn hell stuck in your teeth. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. It's not fucking your life up, but it is like, you know, you're going to feel it in there until it's out. And that's how it sort of was. It was, I think I had to go into like some sort of staff meeting right after that. And I was just like, well, I don't want to sit in a room with you. I wish I could have gotten up and taken a walk or something like that. You know, and obviously, like you said, we're in a privileged position so that our, there is a lot of policy that due to luck of birth, due to opportunities, due to education, due to job market, whatever, there are a lot of reasons why we're not necessarily ensnared in that. But I, I think we both also know that that's just by chance. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's just by chance. And the way black wealth is set up, <laughs> that's, that <laughs> chance could, could change. I was going to say shit could change. You know what I mean? One time I was on the Long Island Railroad and I was riding the train. The guy, conductor, comes up to get the tickets. And so I'm going to get my ticket. I couldn't find it. So I'm like, going to my pockets. And I think I was on the way to work. I think I had like a button up and stuff on. So I couldn't find him like in first pocket, back pocket, second pocket. I'm like, oh, where is it? And then I finally found it. And he like kind of stepped back as I pulled it out. And then he said like, so oh, he's like, yeah, I'm nervous there. I didn't know what you're going to pull out. I'm like, would you have said that to anybody else? Like, what am I going to do? I'm like, pat myself down and yeah. then pull out the knife? And like, <laughs> like <laughs> what am I going to do? So like, it just makes you think of like, if someone like that looks at you that way, then you find all this information about how often these brothers are getting treated by police. It's a overall fear and apprehension in a way. Everything, I guess, that's happened in the past couple of weeks has sort of reminded me sort of how, I think I think the word I used to you the other day was insidious white supremacy is. Yeah. And one of the things actually I really enjoyed about the ta the whole, like the panel, there's another woman who was on the panel with ta She was from Johns Hopkins. She was super sharp. She was somebody who had attended the school and had also come up through the ranks as, I want to say, an administration official. But one of the things that she did that stuck out to me was she had everybody, I want to say, in the room on three yell white supremacy, right? Yeah. That was um, amazing. Because one, let me just call out real quick. I yeah. was playing that on speaker at my job. That's how I know you and I had different jobs. <laughs> Like, that's how I know you and I have to And I was playing it loud, too. And all of a sudden, like, it got real quiet right before. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden you hear, white supremacy. <laughs> like a whole auditorium full of people yeah. at Johns Hopkins. Like, it was, white supremacy. It was amazing. Everybody just kind of looked. Nobody said nothing, though. Exactly. Well, I mean, again, like I said, that's how I know you and I have different jobs. But I actually appreciate that she did that because I think that, like, even I have discomfort right now saying it because I'm just thinking of, like, who's going to be listening? What are they going to think? But also, like... White supremacy, I think that people imagine like white supremacy is like a Ku Klux Klan member as opposed to this like 
this poison that infects every single system that we have. I mean, and I can't even speak for the rest of the world because we all know how that shit goes. Just look up the fucking British Empire and just have a fucking field day. But white supremacy infects every single system that we have in this country. And people are so uncomfortable calling it out for what it is and so uncomfortable talking about it. Because I think that, again, that goes back to that discomfort. People feel like, oh, you're talking. I'm white. You're talking about me. Yeah. And it's just like, right. I'm like not talking about you personally. Do you benefit from white supremacy? Hell motherfucking yes. The same way that I have two able legs and I benefit from that. From them working. Yes, I benefit from them working because the way that our world is set up, like. If they don't. If they don't, I have, you know, I have so many options even for travel or going to pick up my food or, you know, going out and doing whatever, attending school, going to the doctor, whatever. It's the same thing. I can recognize that that is something that I benefit from. Or even, honestly, like patriarchy, being a man. Yeah. Like I mean, but that's another complicated conversation. <laughs> that is another. So maybe I mean, that's a bad we're gonna, example. We're gonna get we're gonna get into some of that later. But yeah, it's just weird that like that like people are so uncomfortable, and I'm so glad it's like she cut through that that moment with the knife, but just being like, just say the fucking terms, just get it out, just get it out, because like part of what's keeping us where we are, and part of what's keeping things where where they are, is that people are so uncomfortable with calling it out and naming it for what the fuck it is, and. Again, white supremacy is not like, and I can't believe I have to explain this, but some of y'all motherfuckers need to hear it. White supremacy, I'm not talking about you. And also, like, just for future reference in general, like, maybe just try to decenter the conversation from yourself. Just fucking, just try it. Try it out. See how it fits. See how it works in your personal life. I guarantee you, decentering shit from off of your fucking ass is going to make the other people in your life happier, even when you're not talking about white supremacy or race at all. But, like... I'm not talking about you. Nobody's talking about you. It's a fucking system. Do you benefit from it? Hell yes, you benefit from it. Are you participatory in it? Y- likely, yes. Yeah. But yeah, the insidiousness of, of white supremacy is that you don't have to be white to to enact it. You don't have to be yeah. white to carry it out. Look at the people who killed Freddie Gray. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Three of them were black. And people are like, oh, it was some of these black cops too. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, okay, yeah. we have this white supremacist-ass system. And the police force which again i've said this before again i have to say this shit to y'all because like people fucking get all weird or whatever but like i think that the police are a necessary part of society like i think that that shit is important but the way that they are operating off of this white supremacist system the way that shit is set up like it's totally cool for them to act like all type of wild ways i guess to put it kindly it reminds me of boys in the hood how so so in Boys in the Hood, mm-hmm. there's a scene where they're driving on the strip. Mm-hmm. And they get stopped by these cops. And mm-hmm. the black cop is like, I mean, turned is like the lightest light, yeah. put it. And that's him participating in, mm-hmm. in that. You know, he sees his position as putting him in a different space than the people on the other side of the bed. When we had talked about the other day. You know, like a lot of the women who die at the hands of police officers and nobody knows their fucking name. You told me an amazing story. <laughs> oh. Recently. Like, yes. You know, you were out and you were talking to some people. It was all dudes. It was all guys. Be, <laughs> it was all dudes. Sure. Yeah. And you were like, name some of their names. Yeah. There have been a lot of black women and trans black women or yeah. trans people of color who have been murdered in 2015 alone. Yeah. Name, name five. Them. Yes, <laughs> just, just like just name some. You don't know, like no one knows their names. Like not to at all besmirch the lives of the men that we've lost, but 
it'll be some type of day. Like, obviously, I yearn for the day where we don't have to do this shit at all, where we don't have to organize this shit at all because people aren't getting picked off like fucking dandelion blooms. But, like, I truly yearn for the day where something like this happens to a woman and people take to the streets and people march and people are angry and people are crying. Because lest we forget the Millions March and all of those protests and things like that, if you look at Justice League NYC... They do a lot of great work, and and they've been traveling the country doing a lot of organizing work. It's mostly women. There were three women who organized Millions March. I want to say it was Millions March in New York. Yeah. Three, I want to say, and... um, Black Lives Matter. Yeah, Black Lives Matter. Yeah, exactly. The hashtag alone. Those were were women. So it's like... Queer women at that. Yes, queer women at that. Like, white supremacy is so insidious that to be a black woman is to to be, I guess, like the polar opposite of, like, a white man. So we're... Okay, just like... Just bear go. with us. Right. Bear with us. Right. <laughs> so we live in this white supremacist heteropatriarchy. Right. Yeah. Which is like a fancy way of saying, like, if you are not a straight white man, you are fucked in some type of way. Right. Yeah. So we live in this white supremacist heteropatriarchy. And so at the top of that pyramid is a white man. So like other countries are set up different ways. So I'm not going to speak on them. But in America, the polar opposite of that is being a black woman. White supremacy, the way it's set up, black women don't exist, shouldn't exist. And a part of the reason why we don't know these women's names and we don't march for them and we don't take to the streets and it's it's it seems impossible to get justice for them. It certainly is, is more impossible, if, if more impossible is even a, a proper term, certainly is more impossible to get justice for trans women of color, specifically black trans women. And or, you know, gender nonconforming people who are black, it's a lot more difficult to get justice for them, certainly. But that's white supremacy. Like black women don't count as people in that system. It's like even like that, the, um, the Grim Sleeper or something like that that's coming yeah. out on HBO. You know, this decades long killing spree that this guy was on. He was killing all black women. And it took them years to alert the women in the community that this was even a consistent thing that was right. happening. And even after alerting them, it, it was trivialized, you know, because it was like, I think the direct quote was, well, it's only happening to hookers. Right. Like they're not people. Like those aren't people. Right. Um, you know, and even that was later, re- like, refuted. But regardless. Yeah. Like, jeez. Yeah. And it's it's like I'm very, 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 very tired because even though we have Marilyn Mosby and like it seems like we're moving toward possibly some justice with Freddie Gray. And but still, you know, there's so many young black men who haven't received justice when they deserved it. But it seems like even a longer it just seems like even a longer road to get to women or trans women or gender nonconforming people to see any sort of light of day in that situation. It just, it feels so much longer. I don't know. Like you said, you said you were angry earlier. I just don't have it. I don't have it in me anymore to be angry because it keeps happening. There's a black woman who, um, there's a black woman who was killed in Atlanta, I think last week, week before. People don't know her name, you know? Because of the way that our society is set up to where a black woman is the least valued type of life that you could have. I'm tired. <laughs> I'm tired. So the thing that I think, you know, to kind of come back to, to all this, I think to recap, mm-hmm. because I think that's important. Because mm-hmm. we've talked a lot and we've talked a lot about our feelings and our emotions. It's a complicated situation. But America's policy, the way we've structured our laws and government mm-hmm. from a federal and state level reflects a system of violence that is largely perpetrated against people of color and specifically against black people. Yeah. The system 
has created dynamics and communities in which there's little to no hope whatsoever. And as a result of that, when the people empowered to carry out these laws are killing the people in this community, Mm -hmm. the people there can't take it. So this results in violence. Uh And until those laws are dealt with or are rectified or are adjusted, there are going to be situations like Baltimore. There are going to be people who lose their lives. Yeah. So fuck the discomfort that you might feel (laughs) because it's ridiculous that we should have to channel our emotions to protect your discomfort. That's my recap. That's your recap? Surprise. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a day. I don't yeah, I know you've had a day. I don't necessarily have a recap so much as like I feel like I'm in this moment where I don't know what to do. I don't really know what to say. I don't really know what anybody expects from me. To be honest, a couple of weeks ago, I found myself in this position where, you know, I, I was refreshing my Twitter feed and I could see things popping up on Facebook and I could see things happening on Tumblr, but I was keeping up And I realized that it was making me anxious and it was making me agitated and it was making me tired and that there was nothing that I could do at that very second to change what was happening. And so I decided to turn off watching any coverage. I I watched a few episodes of Louie and I went to sleep because I realized that I had already put myself through this grindstone before and that I needed to take care of myself in that that precise moment. And also there was this little – there was like a tinge of like, I already know how this is going to go. I already know where this is headed. I already know how this is going to turn out and I can't do this right this second. I had to take care of myself. You know, I am starting to get to this point where I'm fatigued and I don't know what to do with that. To feel sort of sad in some ways doesn't give honor to those who have continuously fought against that system of oppression and who have fought against that use of state violence, who have brought the light and attention to issues that are important and to the, the disparities and the violence that are experienced by people of color. And so I think I feel angry, um, but I also feel, I want to say hopeful that each time it'll get better. Because if I give up on the feeling of hope or I stay with the feeling of sadness or despair, then there's no place left to go. There's more than one recording of Nina Simone singing Mississippi Goddamn. There's one, there's two in particular that I like, one in 1964 and one in 1968. The song came out in 1964. I think she's performing it at Carnegie Hall. And she has such pep and such energy. And if you've never heard the song, you must be white. And <laughs> <laughs> you must be white. But she's performing with such pep and such energy because it's clever. And she's in 1964 and she doesn't know that 65, 66, 67 and 68 are coming, right? And she's close with Dr. King. She gets, you know, she's pouring this on 1964. Like I said, lots of energy. You can hear a different version in 1968. I don't know where she recorded it, but she also had an audience. And it's like, I remember realizing right around August when I was keeping up with Ferguson that she was fatigued and you could hear it in her voice. And it was right after Martin Luther King died. She said, the king is dead. The king of love is dead is what she says in this recording. And... It just hits you because, you know, we grew up going to school learning about Martin Luther King and, and that he died. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's one and of the few they give us. It's one of the few they give us. And, and my whole life he's been dead. Your whole life he's been dead. But this is somebody that she knew. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And this is somebody who was in the middle of something that was happening. And on some level, she probably knew that he was going to have to go away. But, like, 
she didn't think it was going to happen that way and she didn't think it was going to happen then. Do you know what I'm saying? That was her friend. And so to kind of hear her with four more years of this shit on her, four more years and how bedraggled she sounds. I used to wonder what it took to get to that point and now I guess I feel like I don't have to wonder anymore. So I don't really know. I don't know what to do next. I feel like I blew in the face. I'm sure you feel the same way. But like I'm kind of approaching this point where I have to measure how how I engage with it. And sometimes I feel guilty. I mean, I think that's fair. Uh, I mean, I definitely feel guilty. You know, I, I like you said, there's a limit to how how far I can like how far I can go. Mm-hmm. Especially just because of the literal fear I have as a result. Like, I mean, to be to be straight up, I'm trying to remember the pro- the protests that just recently happened. Which one? in New York? Oh, okay. <laughs> I think it was last week. Yeah. So you know, I wanted to go there, and I was talking with uh, my mm-hmm. wife about going. We both wanted to go. Mm-hmm. But I was like, we can't because she's pregnant. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the fuck is going to happen. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And while I want to be there to support, I'm not going to risk it. I'm not. Mm-hmm. That makes me feel, you know, really conflicted, really fucking conflicted, to be yeah. straight up. Because, you know, like I said, I try to stay real fucking woke. <laughs> <laughs> One eye up. Like, and you want to be real. I said this to you the other day. When the battle comes to your doorstep. Jesus, you weren't even talking about this. I remember. (laughs) What are you going to do? I would like to think I'm the person that's going to respond in kind. Mm -hmm. And but the truth is we have limits. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I had to make sure that my family was going to be safe. So I so I did not go and I would not make a decision that was different now. Mm -hmm. But it's tough. Like it's tough to want to participate more, to not know how, to not know if it'll make a difference, and to not know the result of what your participation will be. Mm-hmm. Not from just a success, failure type of point of view, mm-hmm. but from a safety point of view. Yeah. I mean, from safety and also from like, and maybe you don't necessarily have this, but like job security. Yeah. You know what I mean? Again, me or anybody ostensibly speaking out about this can, because someone else knowing your views can make them uncomfortable, can cause you to lose your job. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, no, I definitely. I mean, this conversation as a whole has been real free. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And, you know, we don't know the point in which we've crossed somebody's line. Yeah, I'm sure I've crossed a couple of people's lines. You know what crossed my line? <laughs> Freddie Gray's neck getting fucking severed 80% of the way. That crossed my line. Please tell me about yours. Not you, <laughs> but just any listeners who have pissed off. Please tell me where your line is. I'd love to know. So thank you. Thank uh, you. We're sorry for starting on such a happy, I know, happy note, and then shifting to something so difficult. But the truth is, that's black life. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta, you get the happy with the sad. You yeah. Know? <laughs> so y'all, um, you know, just like stay safe, take care of yourselves, do what you can when you can. To the people out there on the fucking front lines who are protesting yes. or reporting. And organizing. And organizing. Like, there's amazing work being done. Mm-hmm. And there are definitely avenues to get involved. Yes. If that's what you feel comfortable doing. But take care of yourselves. Take care of the people around you. Try to give a shit about black women. Try to give a shit about black trans women. Try to give a shit about black gender nonconforming people. Just please try to give a shit about something other than Comfort. Yeah. Something other than comfort. Bye. (laughs) Bye.
Not everything in life is flexible, but at Capella University, your education can be. With our game-changing FlexPath learning format, you're empowered to fit education into your life without putting other priorities on hold. FlexPath lets you set your own deadlines and adjust them when needed. You can take courses at your own speed and move on to the next one when you're ready. Imagine how a flexible education can make a difference in your life at capella.edu.